0: You're listening to a Irreverent Bible Talk, a podcast that's not your grandma's Bible study, unless your grandma happens to be really, really cool. Listener discretion is advised if you object to bad words, women preachers, or terrible puns.
1: On this episode, we're tackling the story of creation or rather the stories of creation, plural, because there are two different versions of the creation myth in Genesis and they contradict each other.
0: So grab a beer, a mocktail, a cup of coffee, or your beverage of choice and join us as we explore how the Bible is more complicated and more fascinating than you might think.
1: Welcome to Irreverent Bible Talk. I'm Jenny, I'm an ordained Lutheran pastor, but I also have tattoos.
0: And I'm Josh, and I have a bachelor's degree in broadcasting and religion. So look at that mom and dad, adding that second major wasn't a big mistake.
1: To start us off, I've got a bit of Bible trivia, which of course is sure to make you a hit at parties. The question is this, according to the book of Genesis, which did God create first, humans or other animals?
0: And I actually know the answer to this because we talked about it before we started recording. But before that, I had no idea. But for the wondering minds that want to know, the answer is yes.
1: Exactly, it is both. It's a bit of a trick question. Uh, It depends on which version of the story you read. In Genesis chapter one, all the other animals come before human beings. And in Genesis chapter two, God makes the human first and then the other animals. Josh, since this is our first episode of the podcast, I think we should start with a little bit more introduction about who we are. Uh, So tell us, Josh, who are you?
0: That is a question in itself, isn't it? So I am an audio guy. I work making commercials and voiceover stuff. And I actually do have a bachelor's degree in religion as well, where I was actually accepted to seminary, had scholarships coming in, and then it just kind of hit me like, nope, now is not the time. If it's ever going to be the time, it's not right now.
1: Yeah, respect. You might have made the right call there. By contrast, I'm Jenny. I am a pastor. I was ordained in the Lutheran Church. And uh, although we were not seminary classmates, I guess we could have been, uh, but we met through a mutual friend. And then I think the two of us have become much better friends, especially through playing a lot of video games.
0: A lot of video games. I remember meeting you and your husband for like two seconds when I actually went and visited the seminary that you guys had graduated from.
1: Yeah and then i remember we all kind of got to know each other a little better when our our mutual friend got married and that was the first time that i was like oh here's this josh guy uh at the time you were very hyper that's that was my first impression
0: yeah it was getting pretty late at night i think when you guys actually were able to get into town so i was i think beyond tired and just in that wired stage so that was exciting
1: (laughs) so what what are you drinking as we record this episode
0: um right now i am drinking a boulevard wheat
1: Nice. Are you enjoying it?
0: I yeah, I do like wheat beer. It's Very a cool. it's lighter with some good taste. That's what I'm all about. What about yourself?
1: I'm currently drinking a hazy IPA from a brewery that's real close to us. It's actually called Transmission Brewing, and I think it's supposed to be transmission like a car transmission. But I first heard about them during the pandemic, and I was like, "Transmission is a real unfortunate name for a brewery during the pandemic."
0: Oh, uh, but yeah. it's a good beer. Nice. Yeah, those IPAs always kind of scare me a little bit because I don't like bitterness. I need to grow up a little bit, I think.
1: This one's pretty juicy, I will say. Fair enough. So we are going to get into the creation stories, plural, in Genesis. And uh, as this is our first episode, you know, the goal here is to kind of be informative. Hopefully you'll learn something that maybe you didn't know before, but we'll also maybe be challenging some assumptions that you might have or the interpretations of the Bible that you might have learned in Sunday school when you were growing up. So we're going to dive right in. I'm going to start just with a brief overview of what we're talking about and then josh and i were going to kind of ask some questions and get into some conversation and do a little bit of a deeper dive on these passages there are two stories telling the creation of the world in genesis uh, and they're in the first three chapters of genesis which is the first book of the bible so if you crack open your bible these are the first things that you read and genesis chapter one is a creation story and then Genesis chapter 2 is a different creation story and they actually uh contradict each other uh as in my my trivia example of which came first the people or the animals.
0: Yeah, and I don't know about um the bible that you are, you know, currently read from. Sorry, that's my pages turning. Where it starts talking about the second creation story, it just says as a kind of a header, another account of the creation. Which threw me because I've read it multiple times. But now it's just like, wait, why is there two?
1: Yeah, another account, right? You're like, hang on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things that the more I studied as well back in college, that the more you study, the more questions that the Bible kind of brings up to you instead of just taking it at face value.
1: Yeah. And I personally, I'm a Bible nerd. I think the Bible is super interesting. And the more time that I spend with it, the more surprising and complicated it is. And I love that. I love that it just has so much depth and it's not the kind of simple version that you might have learned, like I said, as a kid, if you were growing up going to Sunday school. When it comes to the creation stories, I think that some of the key details kind of get like mashed together. So you might have one version in your head that's a combination of both. But the first story in Genesis one is very orderly. And so it's like every day, you know, on the first day, God says, let there be light and there is light. And then God says, uh, let there be different lights in the sky. Um, I'm a little bit out of order, but Um, God is creating all of these things day by day, and there's this repeated refrain each day that God saw that what God made was good. And then the second creation story, which is in Genesis chapters two and three, is when you actually have Adam and Eve, you have the talking serpent, you have the fruit that they're not supposed to eat, and then they do. And that is like a whole different um, account, probably from a different source, a different author than the first chapter
0: yes because i remember growing up it was just a basically it was a combination of the two stories slammed into one is what i was taught it was god said let there be light and there was light but then it gets into the adam and eve side which we always got told about but it doesn't talk about that in that first chapter
1: yeah and it's interesting like if you get into some of the implications of like what do these stories tell us about humanity Right, Like, what do these stories tell us about human nature? Uh, And they're kind of different, you know, the uh, Genesis chapter one version, God uh, says, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And then in the next verse, God created humankind in God's image, male and female. God created them. And then again, as we see in this refrain, God sees what God has made and it is very good. So it's this very optimistic kind of view of creation and especially of humanity that people are made in the image of God. We are made to be like God and God looks at everything God makes and is like, yeah, I did a good job. Like, this is good. This is a good creation. Uh, I think that the story with Adam and Eve is a little more pessimistic about human nature. That we immediately see disobedience and doubt and conflict being sown.
0: Which is a good overview of like bringing it into like today because this actually explains a lot in theory on original sin that we're born with. That's getting into some deeper stuff, I know, but is that that humans are always curious in chapter two? That we're curious and we want to know more, even if it's not for our benefit.
1: Right. And I love that. I do think that it's very uh, authentic to human nature that human beings are curious. And if you tell a kid, don't go in that room or don't eat that cookie, like we're going to do it, right? That is human nature. But the idea of original sin, like the way that that developed over time, I think actually gets pretty far away from the original text. Like the text in Genesis doesn't, talk about original sin per se that sort of a interpretation that was built upon it later
0: so jenny going back to what you kind of talked about earlier was that god always looked back at the end of the day and said it was good that just seems it seems a little weird to me i don't know if maybe it was a different meaning of the word good like pure or clean but that just always kind of felt a little weird to me God being this huge being and then looking back, like a kid that had picked up the trash in his room is like, oh, yeah, I did a good job.
1: I, uh, I like that image, honestly. And I think that this is a little bit of uh, like Josh uh, revealing his worldview that Josh is a little more pessimistic about things. But I do think that there's kind of that pride of creation, right? That when you make something that you're proud of, you're like, yeah, I did a really good job with that. And I like that that's the kind of energy that God brings to the creation in chapter one is, yeah, that is a really cool sky that I made. And that is a really cool sea that I made. And those are really cool animals that I made. And this repeated refrain of like, yeah, it's good. It's good that God made all of these things. So it does have a very positive perspective on creation. And one thing that I um, saw when I was kind of doing some of my research for this episode, you know, we could ask why would two stories be included, right? Why have two different versions? Why didn't someone along the line just scratch one out and say, let's make it consistent. And I think it's intentional. And this is what I read is like, actually they're meant to sort of counterbalance each other. That Genesis one is the more optimistic view and genesis 2 is maybe a little more pessimistic or a little more realistic about human nature and the two are are kept in tension and that that was on purpose
0: yeah i mean i i guess that makes sense to an extent it's still a little confusing because they are different in the fact that you mentioned it earlier in your trivia question that god made the animals first in one version in the chapter two and then in the first chapter he made male and female at the same time, according to that chapter, which right. is yeah. really contradictory to what is said in chapter 2.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in chapter 1, God makes male and female, and then in chapter 2, we have this image of, well, God makes Adam, and then from the rib, God makes Eve. So again, there's there's kind of a contradiction there. I think this is a great introduction to the tone and the approach of this podcast, that we're going to look at these contradictions, we're not going to try to, like, make them fit we're going to acknowledge hey these are two different stories and that they have different meanings they have different uh history they have different context and this idea of you know can you understand them literally we're not gonna uh try to understand things literally that aren't meant to be understood literally
0: i agree with that statement because if you look at it especially later on in the bible the writers and and god is all about examples like giving like the parables and an example like okay this happened so when these kind of things happen we kind of look at it like this and just that guiding as opposed to this 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 i think A lot of these books kind of lead towards, this is the overall what happened, but here's a little bit of looseness with it that can help the average person kind of understand it and kind of take it on their own way a little bit.
1: I think the comparison to parables is really apt, that these aren't meant to be history books. They're they're not meant to be science books, certainly. And that creation narratives and creation myths in particular are stories. And you can find all kinds of comparisons between the creation myths that are in the Bible and the creation myths that are in other cultures from other places. And that's not to say, oh my gosh, it's all nonsense. Just throw it out. It's like, no, this is a different kind of storytelling. This is a different kind of writing. And uh, the phrase that sometimes is used is that this is like primordial history, that this is like telling stories about history before there even was history, right? Before there were even people, you know, who was writing down what happened on the first five days before Mm. any human beings had been created, if you want to look at it that way. That it's meant to be symbolic, it's meant to be mythological, and it's telling us things about God, it's telling us things about the world and about human beings, but it's not meant to be read literally.
0: Yeah, and that's a very... I think kind of a big thing for people that grew up going to church every Sunday that I don't want to say were the fire and brimstone type because even some of the looser ones are still it coming to that realization that wait a minute I have to kind of think about this and understand it instead of just being told exactly how it's supposed to be
1: yeah and I have this experience you know as a pastor like in churches that sometimes it blows people's minds if you say hey Genesis isn't literal history or, hey, the Exodus might not have happened exactly the way that it appears in the book of Exodus, Um, because we have a lot of us been raised with these assumptions about how the Bible has to be understood and how you have to read it. And I love being able to break free of some of those expectations. And I actually find a lot deeper meaning and more meaning once you let go of some of those expectations.
0: That actually kind of brings me back to what I was talking about earlier and how the more you read, it's, it's sometimes a little bit harder to necessarily put your full faith in, but I think that's the point of it. But the more you try to read and the more you learn to understand, it's a lot more questions that pop up. And I think that's really important for people to kind of realize that these questions are what make us who we are and how we kind of learn how to go on our path of life on this journey.
1: Yeah, I love questions. I'm all about questions and especially like really like tough faith questions. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what it's about. I think the questions are sometimes more important than the answers.
0: I agree. And I think that's what really helps keep us going too. We need questions. Every Every day is a question, I think, for everybody on what's going to happen today, be it good, be it bad. It's it's the adventure. It's the learning that kind of brings it together. And I kind of think maybe that's the point is to further our understanding.
1: I, agree. I totally agree.
0: Hooray. I didn't say something incoherent. <laughs> uh, so uh, going back, we've kind of talked about it earlier when God in the first chapter made male and female at the same time in His image, but I say his, as that's what we've always kind of grew up with is his, but isn't God a little bit bigger than male and female?
1: I love that. Right. Absolutely. If God made male and female in God's image, then clearly God can't be male exclusively, right? That all human beings in all of our like wild diversity are still in the image of God, and this is one of those things that I think is so important to name because a lot of Christian tradition has had some very particular views on gender, right? And we can talk about where some of those things came from. But if we're looking specifically at Genesis 1, just like you said, you know, both male and female are created in the image of God, and there's not a hierarchy. It's not you know, man is closer to God and woman is farther away, which you could argue from the story of Adam and Eve, but that all human beings are made in God's image. So God must be bigger than any one human gender.
0: Absolutely. Um, that's what kind of what's been sticking out to me a lot more lately is that chapter two, we get to the male was created first in God's image. And then as an kind of seemed almost as an afterthought like oh he's bored and lonely let's uh let's uh create a woman and that's <laughs> and i that kind of you know just is a little bit um, i don't want to know the right word for it, but it's a little weird that we go from one chapter where it's both and then man and then okay maybe a few days later oh he's bored he's lonely i'll make a woman for him
1: yeah Yeah. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. I get it. It's, you know, especially the way that it has been interpreted, like it's a pretty, pretty shitty deal for, especially the the woman side of the equation.
0: And I think that kind of, you know, shows a lot as you kind of talked about earlier, how some churches have, you know, the question of gender, you know, growing up the church that I went to originally, Females weren't allowed to do anything in the church except maybe be on the council. And then I remember my mom having to go to the basement after church and count money with some of the other wives of like the elders or individuals like that. But then like the more you look into it, it's like, wait a minute, why, why? And I almost feel like chapter two has that weird interpretation style on it. And I don't know if that, that could have been just the way it was translated originally. It could have been, a way somebody kind of crafted it towards maybe a little more male dominant view, and I know some people yeah. are probably a little upset with that. But it's we want. I want to ask the questions because it's it's a little weird to me.
1: I totally agree. And uh, if if you'll let me do my Bible nerd uh, rant for a second,
0: go, uh, <laughs> Jenny, go, go, Jenny, go.
1: There's there's a couple of I think really important things both in Genesis chapter two, and then also in the kind of tradition that evolved later. Uh, And the first thing is uh, just a very short like Hebrew lesson. Genesis is written in Hebrew, if you don't already know that. And in Hebrew, um, the word for like a human being is Adam, which is where we get Adam, the name of the first human being. But it's actually adam is related to the word for earth or or dirt or ground um so when in genesis chapter 2 god takes earth and forms a person i imagine almost like a kid playing in the mud and like making things out of mud there's a play on words in the hebrew that god is making adam human out of earth adamah And that's where the first person comes from. What does this have to do with gender? Well, in Hebrew, there are different words, or if you're specifically talking about a male versus a female, a man versus a woman. Man, the word in Hebrew is ish, and woman is isha. So when God creates the first person, it's just Adam, which, you know, grammatically is a masculine word but linguistically it's human right it's like the difference between saying a human or a man specifically so god creates a human and then only later when god says hey this human is lonely and needs a partner then there's this like separation and then you get ish man and isha woman So already it's more complicated, right, than just saying, oh, well, God created Adam and then Eve came later. It's like God created human and then man and woman came later. So that in itself kind of complexifies the story. Uh, But then a lot of the kind of Christian interpretation about men being... Uh, higher up, men being superior uh, and women not being as close to God, women not being allowed to preach, uh, women having to submit to male leadership. All that stuff came later. It's not specifically in Genesis. Um, Some of it comes in the New Testament and some of it came even later than that. But a lot of that meaning has been read backwards into Genesis Um, which is unfortunate way too much of an information dump.
0: No, I think that's, that was great. Um, I'm processing it, processing it all right now. Huh? That was a lot of fun. And I think that's the the purpose of why we're doing this is to kind of bring it up, look back and see those other things and maybe help people understand that and just try to learn it on their own too try to go in more depth and see if they realize something
1: for sure. Uh, Just to kind of add to the, the messiness of Genesis, you know, we have this idea that Eve is like the temptress, right? That like, she's the one who listens to the snake. And then she's the one who makes uh, Adam, you know, go astray. Uh, But if you read it carefully, it, it literally says Eve took the fruit and also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Yeah, exactly. Like that. he's literally standing there the whole time.
0: It's like, yeah, watched watched her do it, and it's like, hey, we're not supposed to do this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely take some. I'm like that, right?
1: Like, oh, fruit, cool. <laughs> um, so definitely the like accusation, and this became a like a Christian teaching of like, well, it's Eve's fault. Like Eve is the one who screwed up and like doomed all of humanity. It's not really in the original text. It's not really there. We see both of them screwing up um, and listening to the serpent instead of trusting God. Uh, They very much are kind of uh, equally culpable.
0: Which is, I don't want to say radically different, but it is very different than kind of the message that, you know, I was taught growing up. Because it was always Eve's at fault. She was the one that gave in to temptation first and then you kind of always get this maybe exaggerated version of it, where Adam necessarily didn't know it was the fruit from the tree and that she kind of misled him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, if people are curious about like where that idea came from, um, the big, uh, kind of passage that has to do with that is in the new Testament it's first Timothy chapter two, uh, this is verses uh 12 through 15 i'm just going to read it real quick so first timothy 2 12 through 15. i permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man she is to keep silent for adam was formed first then eve and adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor yet she will be saved through childbearing Provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. Which is just like, it's so gross. I hate it. Um, and as a woman who preaches and teaches in churches and also doesn't have any children, I'm like, heck you, author of First Timothy. <laughs> but just in the context of what we're talking about today, it's not a good reading of Genesis, right? To say Adam was not deceived and that the woman was the transgressor. Like, they both were deceived. They both listened to that serpent, and they both ate the fruit.
0: Yeah, they were both willing participants, according to cha- yeah, chapter 2 and 3. They they knew they weren't supposed to, but kind of the kid example you mentioned earlier, but they did it anyway. Like, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no, like, hey, I was force-fed this. <laughs> Adam was a willing participant, which... Kind of changes some of the views that you would have
1: and it's interesting too, like this idea that like somehow it's all Eve's fault It ties into so many of these threads about um, Gender and about you know who is more trustworthy and who is more deceitful and a lot of really bad theology was built on that foundation And I think it's uh, really interesting that when you look at the foundation closely, it maybe doesn't support the theology that was built on it.
0: And and that's really interesting to me because, you know, you look back and this is supposedly what everybody was looking at at the same time. Like, hey, we believe this because of this. We believe this because Jesus was born. But then we believe this because this happened before Jesus. But it might have been you know, there was some translation issues. I think, you know, before the written word, everything was, we were told stories.
1: Right, yeah, that it was all passed down uh, initially through oral tradition.
0: And, you know, like the game of telephone you played as a kid, things get jumbled. Even though you just heard it, you just heard it from the person next to you, things can start getting tweaked a little bit depending on... What you thought you heard versus actually where it started from.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I think this, we have so many more things to talk about, but I think this might be a good ending point on this episode. And we have, I think we can continue this in a part two because we've been recording for a while now. (laughs) And there's so much more that I think we have to talk about this. We haven't even talked about uh, man and woman obviously being in charge of the animals and we haven't talked about the serpent and how that's sometimes misconstrued as to be satan
1: doesn't say it's satan
0: and i think that's a good point to talk about in the next episode
1: yeah that'll be our uh, our teaser for next time there's no satan in in the creation stories if you have a topic or a Bible story or a Bible passage that you would like to hear us talk about, uh, let us know. We'll put an email address in uh, the episode information. We'd love to hear from you and any questions that you have, I would be more than happy to try to tackle
0: those. And I will be more than happy to try to stumble through it with you.
1: I appreciate that, Josh.
0: Anytime. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Irreverent Bible Talk. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us at soundcloud.com slash Bible. And remember, just like Balaam and his donkey learned, sometimes even God communicates through a talking ass.